The following pre-recorded program is paid for by SSI Guardian. Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg. With your host, psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, Living Well with Dr. Peg explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics. Brought to you by SSI Guardian, Living Well with Dr. Peg shares effective and practical psychological strategies based on biblical principles for living well. To learn more about the show or Dr. Peg's mental health consulting and publishing services, visit drpegradio.com. And now, here's your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. I'm psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg, coming to you from Denver, Colorado, and brought to you by our sponsor, SSI Guardian. SSI Guardian provides evidence-based advanced safety training and solutions to learning institutions, faith-based, and professional organizations. And if you missed last week's episode or any episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, be sure to go to drpegradio.com. That's D-R-P-E-G. Radio.com. Well, terror, terrorist attacks, active shooter events, and violent crime are all over the headlines, and you may not have a clue how to keep yourself and your family safe. Our children are also back in school, and we want to have peace of mind when they're away from home. And to give us guidance on personal safety in our everyday lives and in all kinds of emergency situations, my guest today is Thomas Pecora. Thomas Pecora is an international security consultant specializing in personal safety training, and he retired after 24 years as a senior security officer with the CIA. Tom Pecora, thank you so much for being with us today, and welcome to the program. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, yes. It's just an honor to have you on today. You're an expert in international security and personal safety. And so my first question is really, how did you get involved in these areas? And what led you to the CIA? Because I think I've never met anyone before who was in the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it, uh, it started out as a kid. I was very interested in uh, military stories, novels, uh, mm. spies, and all that adventure stuff. And um, after college, I uh, answered a, a simple ad in the newspaper. Hmm. And uh, I was hired by the CIA, and they brought me in as a security officer and gave me a, a variety of opportunities to learn uh, a whole bunch of different skills. Um, I learned how to protect our personnel, our buildings, uh, our information, and they also taught me to uh, train other people. So I got very involved in, in providing uh, security training to non-security personnel and their families because uh, a lot of our, our people uh, are posted overseas, and some of them in some very hostile places. Well, that is really interesting. Uh, does the CIA advertise in the newspaper today? <laughs> uh, now it's more of the Internet. They, okay. have, they have a good website. They have lots of uh, job postings, and uh, I think they do most of their recruiting uh, either through the Internet or actually uh, some college campus activity. Okay. Well, you said a real key thing there in terms of um, also providing protection 
uh, to family members as as your people are stationed overseas. And I really want to emphasize that um, angle today that what you're going to teach our listeners today is not just for them, but for their family members. And um, we have a lot of families and parents who listen on Saturday afternoons, and they're probably in the car with the family, with the kids coming or going from different activities. And so I really want um, you to emphasize the ways in which some of the basic security principles that that you as a CIA um, uh, senior security officer are well-versed in, how those principles uh, benefit us not only in the workplace, uh, but also our children at school when we're out and about with our family members. And you say there's some basic security principles that we all need to know, and they can be broken down into three main elements that when we can really grasp those three areas, that that provides a solid base of knowledge and resources for us as individuals and our families to respond in in an emergency situation and to survive anything from a natural disaster all the way to a criminal or terrorist threat. Can you tell us more about those three elements and those basic principles? Well, um, you're exactly right. This is uh, an important subject because um, people are, are not sure uh, what to do on, under these uh, under these threats. And the truth is, uh, all of us have a lot of these skills and um, and abilities. Uh, we've already developed them. And to get into the, the, the more basic principles, uh, there, there are three basic sets mm-hmm. of security principles that will help you survive pretty much any type of emergency situation or a threat. Um, and they are broken down into three areas, the situational awareness and environmental knowledge. The next segment is on planning, preparation, and skill building. And the third is just having the basic uh, emergency equipment at hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, situational awareness uh, a lot of people have heard a, a, a lot of uh, talk about this from a variety of, of security experts. Um, situational awareness is not being paranoid. It's just being alert to the changing events around you in the environment. Um, this is a state of mind that you have, uh, for example, when you drive a car. Uh, I mean, driving a car inherently, if you think about it, is a dangerous uh, activity. But if you are uh, aware of your surroundings, you are looking to the front, the left, the right, using your mirrors, and you are, uh, are have experienced driving, you're, you're relatively calm. You are looking ahead and you're expecting, anticipating that vehicles ahead of you will change lanes, they'll stop, and you are mentally prepared to react to any sudden incident, like somebody crossing the street. This type of, of calm awareness is, is what we're trying to get in terms of personal safety. We're trying to look at our world like we are driving a car. We're aware of our surroundings, and we are um, watching the things that occur in our environment. Environmental knowledge is, is applying the situational awareness and two of the specific threats in your environment, threats that you should seek out uh, information on. So you should know what the threats are in your area. Uh, anything that may cause us harm or it can affect our safety. Mm-hmm. And, and Tom, I like I like how you use that uh, phrase, calm awareness, um, that we're not paranoid, we're not anxious, because it's so easy, isn't it, today with all the headlines that we read about every night when we turn on the news, every morning when we wake up, it, it's very likely something has happened. 
And so it's important to be aware, but yet kind of grounded. Um, and, and I like your example of driving a car because um, a lot of what we do driving a car is outside of our conscious awareness and it's kind of automatic. And is, is that kind of the state that you'd like us to be in, in, in terms of safety that we don't have to be as consciously aware of it, but it should become more of a habit? Absolutely. Uh, driving a car, when you first drive a car, you're aware of everything. It's, it's bombarding you. But as you as you pick up the skills, um, you you naturally uh, are aware of somebody seems to be drifting a little mm-hmm. closer to the left side of the lane. You assume ah, he's probably going to turn left. You may not have put a signal on, but it's a it's a good behavior to watch, and you see that they're probably going to turn left, and they do. It's that type of uh, awareness that doesn't raise your blood pressure, mm-hmm. but it's still an active uh, part of your brain. Um, personal safety, if you, if, in the nuts and bolts, is much more about brains than brawn. And knowledge has been our best defense, and that's how we got to the top of the food chain. We, we don't have bigger claws and sharper teeth than, than the animal kingdom. We got there because of our brain. Right. This is why uh, personal safety really uh, is part of your your mental capacity, not necessarily the physical. Right. And and I do happen to be a, a red belt in Taekwondo, Tom, but I, people don't have wow. to be. <laughs> we don't have to be six foot two, 250 pounds, black belt in martial arts. You're saying it's about the mindset, using our brain. We don't have to have that brawn. I love that. Uh, I want to talk with you a little bit about the phenomenon of cell phones. When you talk about situational awareness and just kind of looking to the left, looking to the right, what's behind you. And we'll talk more about the environment when we come back from the break. But um, I'm sure we all see people with their faces in their cell phone um, walking while texting, (laughs) walking into traffic, where I'm not even talking about driving and texting, but people on, you know, pedestrians on the street who have their faces so in their phones, they're not aware uh, that a car is about to hit them. Or there's been videos on YouTube of people walking into fountains, walking into poles while on their <laughs> cell phones. What are your thoughts about that or advice that you can give uh, to especially parents uh, of young people in terms of uh, this may not be the best thing for adolescent brain development, but in the context of personal safety, it probably isn't the best thing either. Oh, it's it's a very uh, serious problem. Um, uh, the, the insurance companies are are having an in, are having a, a bad impact. Uh, they're, they're badly impacted by this because there are so many people getting in accidents because they're texting and driving, and uh, that's that's an issue in itself. But then, as a driver who's not texting, you have to be more aware mm. of, of the fact that people will actually be texting while they're driving, and so you have to be even more aware of your surroundings. And looking at somebody who's got their head down while they're driving, you, you realize this is a serious issue. Mm-hmm. Um, cell phones, besides the driving aspect, uh, being unaware of your surroundings uh, leaves you vulnerable it, uh, from accidents, from crime, and um, you're, you're also not aware of uh, other things that are going around uh, around you. Somebody may need some help. And Mm. and you'll walk right by them. Mm -hmm. Um, Things that you should be looking for um, that may be part of your job, you're going to miss that because your head is buried in the cell phone. And when we lock on our attention to the text, 
or we're listening closely on a cell phone, we really are not able to uh, multitask uh, at an acceptable level if in an environment where there are potential dangers. Mm-hmm. Well, and you'll share with us uh, when we come back to, from the break more about what are some of those threats? I like that you said um, it's being aware of someone else may actually need help, not even just about my own personal safety, but being a resource and available to help someone else who may, who may be in distress. So, so that's really an important aspect to keep in mind as well. So we'll talk uh, when we return about uh, some specific examples of environmental knowledge in addition to situational awareness. That's one of the foundations of our personal safety. Uh, you're listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and my guest is Thomas Pecora, retired senior security officer with the CIA. And when we come back, we'll continue exploring these basic security principles that are valuable for each of us as individuals, at work, at play, at school, and certainly for our families. But first, here's a word from our sponsor, SSI Guardian. Stay with us. Don't go away. One needs to look no further than today's headlines to understand the threats facing American schools. They remain soft targets for violent threats, and yet our schools go largely underprepared. Our children deserve the highest level of education in the safest learning environment possible. The SSI Guardian QAL, or Quick Action Lockdown, is the fastest and safest way to lock down a classroom. This revolutionary device provides schools with maximum locking protection while meeting all safety, fire, and building codes. Designed by the leading lock experts in the world, the QAL is the only lock that meets Department of Homeland Security primer recommendations. SSI Guardian QAL now makes classroom lockdowns fast and safe with the red button. As a parent, you have every right to demand that your child is afforded the best classroom protection. Take action today by calling SSI Guardian at 877-878-5800 or go to guardianprotect.com. That's guardianprotect.com. To learn more about living well with Dr. Peg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Welcome back to Living Well with Dr. Peg. We're talking with international security consultant and personal safety expert, Thomas Pecora. Tom, thank you again for being with us. Oh, appreciate giving the opportunity. Yeah, great. It's good information. Uh, one of the themes of... My show, in addition, to men, in addition to mental health and health and wellness, we focus on safety. And so this is such a critical topic in today's age. And you opened up with the, the important point that we don't want to be paranoid. We don't want to be walking around on eggshells. We want to have a, a calm awareness of our environment and the situations that we're finding ourselves in, not only to keep ourselves and our families safe, but to be a resource and a help to someone else who may be in distress so I want, I want you to share with the listeners uh, kind of the other side to that situational awareness is environmental knowledge. So when we're aware and we have our eyes open, we need to be uh, mindful of certain aspects of our day-to-day environment and any unique environment we may find ourselves in as we go about our day. Uh, give us some specific examples of things we should be aware of. Well, um, knowledge is power. And um, uh, understanding what's going on in our, in our neighborhoods, uh, the areas where we work and play, uh, it, it's critical because um, that's where things happen to us. And uh, some things that we need to focus on, not, uh, again, calmly, but to, 
to put this information in your head so that you can use it in an, in an emergency. Things like what are the local crime statistics? Where are crimes happening? What time are they happening? Um, are there any other threats? Are you, are you traveling someplace with a terrorist uh, threat or an insurgency? Um, uh, it's important to know some basics about safe havens. Where are the places that you can go uh, for help, police departments, fire stations, closest medical facilities. You should know where the hospitals are and the closest clinic. And, and Tom, Tom important with children. And let me interrupt you for a second. So mm-hmm. it occurs to me, not only in our day-to-day lives, but especially traveling, right? If you're going to another Absolutely. state or even especially another country, you know, I think about the Olympics in Rio and some of the warnings that the athletes were given about leaving um, the Olympic Village be- because of safety issues. So that would be really important to, to find out before you, you travel with your family or travel on business to another country in particular, huh? Absolutely. And, and with the Internet, it's never been easier. It is uh, just a matter of a couple of keystrokes to find um, the local crime information of whatever mm-hmm. area you're going to go, whether it's your own home neighborhood or, or, or someplace overseas. Yeah, great. And, um, on, a, on a more uh, day-to-day uh, part of our uh, the kind of habits we want to build. We want to know where the exits and entrances of buildings are, offices or schools, uh, where the emergency exits. Um, uh, we also want to know where the safest places are to park, you know, where are the well-lit places so that if I come out af- after dark, I know my car is in the place where I can see it and where I can see who's around. The other um, uh, aspect that we should be thinking about is um, something is coming as, as a cut or an injury that doesn't involve a threat other than that in itself. So you want to know where your first aid kits are, um, emergency supplies, and you want uh, to know where they are, not only in your home, but where you work and, and even where you play, because you never know where somebody may uh, get injured. And those would be things to put on your shopping list. I I am aware of a company, North American Rescue, that um, has personal um, kits. I'm not sure of the exact name that they call them, but they've got um, um, bandages and tourniquets, and they have individual ones, or they have kits that you can mount on the wall in a cafeteria or a gymnasium at a school. And those would be the kinds of things to think about, um, not only in your workplace, if that's one of your responsibilities at, at your job, is to make sure that um, your coworkers are, or and your customers are safe, but certainly having a kit like that for your family. That's something I never would have thought of is Beyond just Band-Aids, what are some of those other important things? And I think you're going to talk more about uh, basic emergency um, equipment in, in our next mm-hmm. segment. Um, but that's a that's a good reminder. Uh, there's some things that you're talking about, Tom, that myself as a female, as a woman, um, I've been taught, you know, make sure you're not parking your car in a dark area. Try to park under the streetlight. Uh, those are things that p- perhaps many women are more familiar with, but men, per- I, my guess is, may, be, may feel a little more invulnerable. Like, yeah, like you said, brain's not brawn. A man may, may rely more on his brawn. So this is good, mm-hmm. a good message for men and women, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, we, we like to say a fight avoided is a fight won. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's the only win we're interested in. So uh, avoidance is, is a key aspect, and the only way you're going to avoid something is if you understand um, the nature of the threat and you take uh, take some precautions. Mm-hmm. And um, part of that, you know, your environment is a critical part. If you don't know your environment, you, you really aren't going to be able to do some of the planning preparation 
that you're going to need to avoid. Right. And it, is there any age that's too young to start introducing these principles to our children? And what would be an age-appropriate way without instilling fear in our kids to get them to be more situationally aware, more environmentally aware? We, we can turn it into a game. Mm. Um, uh, what, what I like to do with, uh, with the children is uh, get them into a, into a mindset of, uh, I'm, I want to learn. And so every time we come into a new uh, a new restaurant or a new uh, shopping mall, we play the game of, okay, who can spot the emergency exit? And who knows where the bathrooms are? And does anybody know where the closest safe haven is? Where's a police officer? Where's a security person? And that way they just naturally start to look at their environment as someplace to find this information as just part of their normal habits. Mm-hmm. So once you build this habit in, for example, you go into a restaurant, you immediately look around and see where the emergency exit is, and you plan where you sit so that you know where um, uh, where you want to go in case that exit is blocked. You have an, a secondary. That's great. Uh, we used to play the game I Spy <laughs> with my little eye mm-hmm. on road trips, so that might be a fun way to introduce some of these safety, uh, this environmental awareness, situational awareness into with children. Absolutely. Great. Well, let's let's talk about that second basic security principle after we have situational awareness, environmental knowledge. Number two, you said, is planning, preparation, and skill building. And so I think we are kind of already talking a little bit about that. Um, scanning mm-hmm. your environment is kind of part of um, getting in the habit of doing that is preparation and kind of building that habit or skill. But what would be some other um, important things to know about planning, preparation, and skill building for personal safety? Well, um, we, we start out with getting the knowledge, the environmental knowledge, and then we have to act on that. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's some things we should do every day, like, you know, number one, if you know there's a dangerous area, avoid it if you can't travel in pairs, and especially keep people informed about your movements. Um, Preparation-wise, we need to be familiar with some basic emergency plans to deal with emergencies that, that are common enough that um, we're we're exposed to this all the time, but we need to kind of incorporate this into our daily lives. And that's like a fire evacuation plan. Uh, we may do this in our schools, but how often do we practice one at home? Mm. And it, that one or two minutes of uh, discussion and maybe one or two minutes of actually walking the drill uh, can make a huge difference in an emergency. Um, so a home evacuation plan, understanding the work evacuation plan and the school evacuation plan in a fire, really important. Shelter in place. Well, where do we go in a, in a bad weather situation or an active shooter? It, none of this has to be onerous, um, hour-long uh, discussions. These can be quick uh, and, and dirty uh, discussions about what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. And then we just remind uh, ourselves and our, our, our family members about the plan every once in a while and maybe do a drill. Uh, it makes a huge difference in terms of the, uh, of the ability to, to act in an emergency uh, in a very quick way. Skill building, some of the, uh, some of the more advanced aspects of skill building, are, uh, something like a first aid uh, course. Yeah, we really should learn some basic first aid, not only to, to help ourselves, but to help others. And um, so the basic first aid and CPR training, uh, Red Cross puts out uh, a lot of training in this area. But then you may also want to take some specialized courses. Um, uh, NRA has a very good course called Refuse to Be a Victim, mm-hmm. and it's a specific course that covers personal safety. It's, uh, it's 
strictly on personal safety. It has nothing to do with firearms, um, but it's about uh, how to approach your residential security or your your, your driving security and, and even some things like Internet security. Mm-hmm. Well, so we want to develop these personal habits. Yeah, that's all excellent. And, and CPR, um, such an important skill to learn. I, I learned it years ago, but um, I don't think I remember the details. Why? Because I haven't practiced it. So um, is rehearsal and, and practice part of that planning and preparation? Absolutely. It's, it's a critical part because um, uh, these are perishable skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it doesn't take a lot to keep them fresh in your, in your mind. Yeah, just making a commitment to do it. I took a, took a class in Denver about a year and a half, two years ago, called uh, CERT, Community Emergency Response Training, and I believe it's national. Um, and we learned basic skills like how to use a fire extinguisher properly. You know, we all have one in our workplace or under our kitchen sink, but um, never knew actually the proper way to use it. And we got to practice that, as you said, not just um, talk about it, but actually put it into action and practice it. Uh, we learned how to set a broken bone, uh, how to carry an injured person out of a dangerous situation without hurting them further. And we also did a, a full-scale sim- simulation exercise where we practiced everything we learned in what felt like a real situation. So there are opportunities um, all over the country for civilians, for lay people to get that kind of advanced training if we just make the effort to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Um, So when we come back, you're going to talk a little bit more about some basic emergency equipment. I imagine a fire extinguisher would be something pretty basic and and remembering to check the expiration date. Those things don't remain effective indefinitely. Uh, you're listening to Living Well with Dr. Pegg, and I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Our guest today is international security consultant and retired CIA senior security officer, Mr. Thomas Pakora. And when we come back, we'll talk more about the third basic principle of emer- basic emergency equipment that we should all have. Living Well with Dr. Pegg is brought to you by SSI Guardian, who set the new standard in advanced safety education. Stay with us. With SRN News, I'm Rhonda Rockstra. Donald Trump met in New York today with his newly minted National Hispanic Advisory Council, made up of elected officials, business leaders, and faith leaders, along with his new campaign team. The group looking to help Trump focus his message as well as provide assistance with the campaign's Hispanic outreach. An annual anti-violence event in New Jersey has been marred by two separate shootings that left two men dead and a woman seriously injured. The shootings came just hours after city officials launched the fifth annual 24 Hours of Peace celebration. Authorities in Washington, D.C. say a group of men robbed a man on the banks of the Potomac River in Arlington, Virginia, then forced him to swim across it. He made it to the other side safely, then alerted authorities. And a man and his four-year-old daughter in serious condition after a spooked horse bolted into a crowd at a state fair in southwest Washington. This is SRN News. All of a sudden, the world is out of control, and that means your money and your investments are out of your control. How are you supposed to protect your family and grow your wealth when politics and economics collide? We're here to help because we're all about money. Money Talk 1690 AM. All day, every day, we're following breaking news and giving you the tools and insights to protect what you've worked so hard for. We're more than just headlines. We're Money Talk 1690 AM. I need to build the kids a game room. 
I need to refinance my minivan. I need new furniture. Let's make it happen. Now through September 30th, 2016, it's the Great Rate Event. Eligible Wells Fargo customers can get a special interest rate discount on select new personal loans and lines of credit, home equity lines of credit, auto refinance loans, and small business loans. Don't miss out. Stop by Wells Fargo. Call 1-800-359-3557 or visit wellsfargo.com slash great rate. Subject to credit qualification. Wells Fargo Bank N.A. All rights reserved. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. And MLS ID 399 Hi, I'm Tony Sterniel, a Christian divorce attorney. My first advice is to keep your marriage together if possible. But if that is not possible, I'm here to provide you with caring legal help to move forward and still honor the Lord. We will help you honor your stewardship of your money and children. Our goal is to assist you on the road to peace and direction in this difficult time. So call me, Tony Sterniolo, today at 303-831-4400. That's 303-831-4400. Finances were not designed to bust our marriages, but build our marriages. That's Chris Brown talking about money from a biblical perspective. There's a world's way of handling money that's rooted in entitlement, and there's God's way of handling money that is rooted in contentment and gratitude. Got a money issue you need help with? Listen to Chris Brown's True Stewardship, managing God's blessings God's way for God's glory. Listen to Chris Brown's True Stewardship, weekday afternoons at 2.30 on 94.7 KRKS. To learn more about living well with Dr. Peg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell Clark. Welcome back, everyone. I'm psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell Clark, and we're talking with Thomas Pecora, retired senior security officer with the CIA and international security consultant. Tom, thank you so much. This is such helpful information that really could save our lives. Um, and, awesome. and I wonder if you have any um, good examples of even simple things like CPR or um, situational awareness where where that you said um, avoiding a fight is a fight one. Um, uh, I, you probably have countless stories of how this information well, really, when it's applied, makes a difference. Uh, absolutely. Um, there have been many cases where people have come back and told me that they, they received training and they came back and said um, their, their situational awareness kept them out of a really bad situation. Mm-hmm. In one case, an individual was going into a uh, 7-Eleven type store in, in an overseas environment, and as they walked through the door, they made sure that they scanned the entire uh, store, and they noticed that there were some people standing in the back and they were making some furtive movements. They they didn't look like they were the typical shopper. And um, uh, this this lady decided uh, rightfully so that things just didn't look right. She immediately exited and um, and and made her way to her car and, and and got out of the area. And she found out later that that store was was robbed immediately uh, after she left. Wow. And so she her her awareness of the situation kept her out of what could have been a very, very bad, bad scene. Yeah. And, and um, being, being uh, looking at situations and saying, okay, there, there may be a problem here. You need to uh, trust your gut. And if, if you don't feel that something's right, uh, err on the side of caution. Absolutely. Trust yourself. Absolutely. That um, your intuition and, and we as believers know that's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And so 
Um, always uh, important when you sense something is wrong. Um, don't worry about being embarrassed or embarrassing someone else. As you said, it's better to make the mistake of having to apologize later. But um, often that intuition really does save our lives. Absolutely. That's great. One other thing behind, besides situational awareness, and things, we, we have to take some steps. And one concrete thing we can do to, to uh, be more uh, able to re- respond to an emergency is have the right equipment. Mm-hmm. And that's what some basic, we call it uh, everyday carry. Um, they call it EDC type equipment, everyday carry. We should have these, this type of equipment on us or near us almost all the time. And the first thing would be, of course, in the, in the age of the cell phone, a cell phone with all the important telephone numbers on the speed dial, that's police, fire department, local hospitals, family and friends. And there's a variety of apps that you can get on these smartphones now that will provide you with first aid and emergency reference material. FEMA puts out a, a very good app. Um, but we have to be careful because it's a double-edged sword. The cell phone can also be very distracting. Mm-hmm. Uh, another item that uh, I am uh, particularly fond of is, is a flashlight. While uh, some cell phones have a little bit of a flash, I, I, I like a regular flashlight because uh, I, I want a bigger beam. Even with our, uh, our modern technology, power goes out, and without power, there's no light. And uh, a flashlight is critical uh, under, in those circumstances. And a, a bright enough flashlight can be used to blind some, a potential attacker, giving us a chance to escape. Uh, you mentioned earlier about fire extinguishers. Knowing where the fire extinguishers are and having one in your house, especially in your kitchen area, and knowing where they are uh, in, in your uh, workplace and in any places you, that you frequent, uh, maybe a gym, even in the mall, knowing where they are. Uh, another thing personally that you should have on you is a form of identification and any medical information that um, that is uh, critical to your health. For example, if you have any allergies, if you have a specific uh, health condition, you should have that card with you. And lastly, emergency preparation kits. We talked about this before. Um, you can build a little kit that has a first aid, uh, package, flashlight, and other items that you may need, especially if you have children, some food, some water, little bag that you can put in a variety of different places and uh, for, for survival in, in a worst-case scenario. And this is uh, uh, something you should put in places that you're naturally going to be, in your house, at, in your car, and at your work. Hmm. Um, FEMA and Red Cross, they have some very good uh, uh, kits, and you can also buy uh, commercially available kits. Mm-hmm. Oh. And, and Tom, when I when I took my CERT class, they when we graduated, they gave us a backpack that had some basic supplies in it: flashlight, bandages, okay. little water pouches, scissors, um, uh, the first aid supplies that you talked about, flashlight, uh, like a multi-purpose tool, um, uh, some rope. <laughs> there were. So many cool things inside of that. So I still have that backpack. It's stuck in the you know, back corner of my garage somewhere <laughs> where I'm not sure if I'd be able to put my hands on it quickly. But you're saying that's a great that's a great uh, resource to have. But we should have multiple kits, one in the car, one at work, um, in the places that we frequent. Uh, uh, is, that, mm-hmm. is that what you're saying? 
more than one of those? Yes, ab- absolutely. And and, and uh, parents are are they naturally do this because when you have young children, you you've got to have the the the, the diaper bag. The, yes, you have to have your your kit mm-hmm. um, because you never know what you're going to be dealing with with a child, and and you can just adapt that for later to uh, more uh, survival oriented. Right. And, and I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that some threats are, are non-man-made, the environmental threats, even in the modern day, when you still are subject to um, a bad storm, mm-hmm. uh, anything from hurricanes, the earthquakes, these are things that you should know what your environment um, poses as a threat. In California, Earthquakes are, are are a serious concern. In other parts of the country, you have flooding, mm-hmm. or uh, you could have uh, wildfires. These are things that you need to to factor in your kit and in your in terms of your emergency plan. Right. So it's customized. It's just like we we are always reminded in the winter on the news when they give us the weather report, they remind us put an extra blanket in the back of your car. Make sure your car is gassed up. So, again, that, that um, situational awareness might involve what season are you in. Environmental knowledge involves the topography or what some of those um, weather patterns might be. So it, there's no one correct um, configuration, it sounds like you're saying, Tom. It's just being aware and, and, and having the things that might come in handy in an emergency. That's especially true uh, in Colorado where the temperature will <laughs> it's about 40 degrees in a day. Yeah, yeah. I was flying flying on a plane uh, the other day, and the pilot announcing the weather as we were approaching Colorado said, it's 31 degrees, and this was in the middle of the summer, and everyone gasped. We couldn't believe it. And he says, yeah, you know how Colorado weather is? It's 31 today. And then he paused and said, Celsius. <laughs> so it was a beautiful Colorado summer day. But, uh, yeah, we, we have to be aware in Colorado it might hail. It might, you know, there might be torrential rainstorms and um, having the appropriate gear on hand. Well, great. Well, let's put, put this all together, Tom, and um, talk about, let's say, an active shooter scenario. I think um, you've made a good case that there are some everyday emergencies that we also need to be prepared for. Uh, we need to be aware of our personal safety in terms of what um, time of night are we walking? Are we walking in pairs? Um, are we parking our car in a well-lit area? Are we aware of where the exits are? Uh, but what what if the unspeakable happens? Uh, we're in an active shooter scenario, whether it's at the mall or our workplace. How can we use or can we use the information that you've been sharing on personal safety, uh, can we apply that in that type of scenario? Well, um, by by understanding some of those, those basic principles and applying them, you are really uh, given the, uh, the the material and the mindset to respond to an active shooter or any type of emergency because you're going to understand your environment. You're going to know where your exits are, your entrances are where the locked doors are, you're going to have, I've looked at emergency plans for your site. Let's say you're in a school mm-hmm. or you're in a mall, so you know uh, where, where the, uh, the emergency exits are. You'll know where potentially uh, first aid kits are. Um, you'll also uh, 
will understand the active shooter plan for that specific site because that would be part of your preparation. So you'll know that your first and best option is to evacuate, uh, to basically run if possible. Now, if you, if you can't do that because uh, your exit is blocked, at that, that point you're going to move into your hide situation. And knowing your environment, you're going to be able to instantly make the decision, the, the best decision possible at that moment, on where to go to hide. Locked areas where you're out of sight. And then if the worst-case scenario happens and you have in a situation where you're cornered and you have to do something, at that point you know you've, work, you've worked through, this, through your scenarios and your responses and you're down to the last one, which is uh, the last resort of physical aggression or, or uh, fight. Mm-hmm. So by, by having the, the basic environmental knowledge, looking at it and understanding the plan, you are then in a position where you can make the best decisions possible to, so, to ensure your survival. So as we started out at the beginning of the show, these are some basic security principles that lay the foundation for helping you in pretty much any emergency situation, including an active shooter or terrorist type of event. And so that all the planning and preparation and skill building and environmental knowledge, situational awareness, that takes you probably about, I'd say, 75% of the way to be prepared for the active shooter scenario because you already know where the exits are. You already know where there might be a place to hide. You already know where perhaps um, um, some improvised weapons might be. I always remind people you can use a fire extinguisher as a weapon. When it runs out of the foam that shoots out, you can hit someone over the head with it. But part of that planning and preparation would be that what-if thinking, that situational awareness. And when we come back, we'll talk more about how to apply all of these uh, skills and all of this awareness to keep ourselves safe. This is Living Well with Dr. Pegg. My guest today is retired CIA Senior Security Officer Thomas Pecora. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor, SSI Guardian. Schools can no longer afford not to invest in a professional evidence-based advanced safety education training program. It's the single most important decision and investment a school administrator will ever make in their professional career. When all else fails, training and preparation are the only things that will increase your chances of survival in a violent incident such as an active shooter or active terrorism. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training programs tailored to your needs. While there are many basic training programs largely based on opinion and emotion, SSI Guardian is the only advanced training program of its type with an accredited continuing education unit or CEU issued by an accredited university. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training and solutions to learning institutions, faith-based and professional organizations. To learn more, call SSI Guardian today at 877-878-5800 or visit guardianprotect.com. To learn more about living well with Dr. Pegg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell Clark. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Living Well with Dr. Pegg, and I'm talking with Thomas Pecora, retired senior security officer with the CIA. 
an international security consultant and personal safety expert. Tom, thank you so much. I don't think we can ever hear this information too often. No, it's, it's, it's a necessary part of our life. Mm-hmm. And an important security principle is rehearsal. We've talked a lot about the awareness and the planning and preparation, but there is a time and a place to actually um, rehearse all of this, put it all together. And I think a great model is the fire drill model in public schools. Um, it's very calm, as you talked about, that calm awareness. Um, the teacher just calmly says, okay, class, you know, we're going to do our fire drill and let's walk calmly and quietly outside. Everyone knows where they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to do. Can we use that model um, for ourselves as adults at work and especially at home? You talked earlier about um, having a kit at home, an emergency basic equipment at home, um, having um, an emergency plan at home. Can we do that rehearsal at home with our families as well? Absolutely. Uh, one uh, of, of my um, students decided to uh, implement a plan at his house with his family, and he actually had his seven-year-old uh, do the diagram. And it was a beautiful crayon drawing of the house and the, and the different uh, rooms and the exits and the rally point. Um, and it didn't need to be any uh, more detailed than that. It was a perfect schematic, and it was a visual that uh, it took only two seconds to look at, and you knew exactly what you needed to do. So keeping things simple um, but accurate, are, it's a very important part of, of the planning process. Um, in places where there are no plans, you need to make your plan. And part of that is you're, you're already doing that by doing your in, environmental uh, investigation. You're, mm-hmm. you're going to be ready mentally to react because – you're, you're going to recognize the threat. Yeah. You're then going to use your knowledge of your surroundings to determine where the closest exits are. You should. One thing that you uh, may want to, to dig into is understanding the difference between cover and concealment. Uh, this is these are firearms terms, but if we're talking about an active shooter, that's something you, you're going to be dealing with. Cover is anything that will stop a bullet, and concealment is any object that will prevent the enemy from seeing us. So we should know the difference. So that we know that if, if bullets are flying, you know that, that that concrete pillar is good cover, but the uh, the rack of clothes is only good for concealment. Gotcha. Um, and you should be looking at these in public areas, such as the malls, office buildings, and even on the street. Right. And you, um, know, you should already have planned your safety route, your, your route to safety. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and if somebody's injured, then you can use your first responder first aid skills and to help you or your family members. But there's there's a there's a step that we like to take uh, prior to this, and this is a, a mindset of avoidance. Mm-hmm. I mentioned this before on you know prevention by avoiding dangerous places. And um, uh, Rory Miller, uh, who is a corrections officer, wrote a book called Meditations on Violence, and he described certain locations having a higher occurrence of violence. And it's, it's four statements that really are universal to the world. And they're very easy to understand. The first is violence happens where people get their minds altered, you know, drugs and alcohol, bars, concerts, places like that. Secondly, violence happens where young men gather in groups. Third, where 
territories are in dispute, and violence happens in lonely places. Mm. If we think about those four areas, we will, and we apply that, the, 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 the conviction that we're, not, we're going to avoid those types of places. We're going to avoid a significant portion of the dangerous situations in life because this is where uh, the violence happens. Wow, that's uh, helpful information. One that comes to mind that would be a whole separate radio program would be violence in the home, domestic violence. So we we can mitigate the risk of violence out in our communities, and then there might be some people living at home as children or um, in a in a relationship where the violence is at home. And I'm sure there's a whole host of other recommendations and things people need to know to stay safe at home. But if we can avoid these four areas um, that you mentioned or conditions that you mentioned, uh, boy, that that's good stuff. Another thing that we can do <clears throat> actively is um, understanding what criminals are looking for. You know, how are we selected as a victim? Mm-hmm. And uh, by understanding that gives us a good idea of what we want to avoid. So Criminals are profiling us. They're looking at our actions. You know, are we head down? Are we distracted? Are we drunk? Are we walking alone? Are we carrying items? They look at it at us from the point of view of what people are we associating with? Are we associating with certain groups, professional, social, religious, political, and the locations we frequent? Um, they are looking for people, their victims, who are vulnerable, weak, preoccupied, busy, naive. Uh, the bottom line is, somebody who's easy to ambush. And if we exhibit these traits, we're attracting the wrong elements. So by understanding those and looking at ourselves from the point of view of a criminal, that's, we need to make some changes. Yeah. That's an important concept. Uh, Just as we talked about situational awareness, but don't be paranoid. This is an important concept. What, what are criminals looking for when they're selecting their victims, but balancing that with not blaming the victim. So we may do everything in our power to avoid places where minds are altered, where young men gather in groups, where territories are in dispute or lonely places, and we may have our head up and not in our cell phone. We may not, you know, be walking alone in the dark and still become the victim of a crime. So we're not saying you would be at fault there. No, no, we're just saying that we have to understand what what the what the predator looks like. Mm-hmm. There's some other things we can do. Just by practicing situational awareness in our everyday activities, we increase our odds of detecting the criminal before he strikes, and then we, uh, so we can avoid. But it, uh, we also are projecting an, era, an aura of awareness, mm-hmm. which they want to avoid. They're looking for the easy target. They don't want somebody who's aware. The other thing that we need to do is avoid some certain physical behaviors that criminals are interested in. That's, you know, our, our demeanor. So we can adjust that. We can physically change our demeanor. We can walk with a purpose with a, at a natural rate. We can keep our balance and our head up and our head on the swivel. We can make contact with people, eye contact with people to avoid giving off a submissive cue. And we can keep ourselves from being distracted by texting and listening on the phone or the radio, um, especially in public places. And, of course, we can avoid the dangerous places. There's, there's, there's a lot of things we can do that, that are within our control that can really reduce our chances of becoming a, a victim yes. and, and reduce our, our, our um, 
of value to the to the criminal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's some, something that um, I didn't realize. I kind of had perfected as a, a teenager and young woman. Um, I grew up in New York on Long Island and would ride the Long Island Railroad into Manhattan. And there's kind of this fine line between um, ignoring people who are looking at you on the train and making eye contact with them. If you ignore them, sometimes you get cursed out and they have things to say. But if you make too much eye contact, they think you're interested and then they become inappropriately flirtatious. flirtatious. (laughs) So there's this fine line between kind of giving a nod. I've acknowledged you. I'm pleasant. I'm polite. But, you know, step away. (laughs) Don't approach me. Mm -hmm. And so um, I kind of developed that uh, unconsciously as a as a teenager. But you're saying there's some things we can intentionally be aware of. And and it sounds like the theme of today's show is really that that mindset of awareness of I'm going to keep my eyes open. I'm going to stay alert. I'm looking around. I pictured the bobblehead when you said keep my head on a mm-hmm. swivel. I'm making sure the I see the potential criminal and he or she sees me. That that alone, right. um, that they're not going to be able to just sneak up on me and catch me off guard might might prevent a lot of things. Absolutely. And the other the other thing we need to think about is criminals. You can't describe a criminal by saying, well, they look like a criminal. Right. What we really are talking about is behavior. Exactly. And so if we understand what criminal behavior looks like, we can have a a better chance of spotting it before it happens. Uh, They call that the the way criminals approach and and do their deed uh, worldwide. They call they have a term for, for specific actions that they do called the event model, the crime event model. And it involves three stages. And this this is the way the criminals do it all over the world. Now, they may skip a stage or abbreviate a stage, but mainly it's three stages. They invitation stage, a confrontation stage, and an altercation And give stage. us give us the Reader's Digest. We've got about a minute left, Tom. Yeah. Um, the invitation stage is where they're looking at you to see how attractive you are. The confrontation stage is where they come up and they ask you, for a dime or what time it is. And they're assessing how where you are and whether or not they really want to go for it. And then the third act is the actual altercation. So by by understanding that the criminal is going to do those three uh, stages, we we can look for that behavior. And if we spot it, we can get out of it. We can we can prevent and avoid. Mm-hmm. So again, awareness, um, prevention, avoidance, avoidance are really key. Um, brain over brawn, brains over brawn. Knowledge Absolutely. knowledge is our best defense. Excellent. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Thomas Pakora, for being my guest today on the program. Thank you, Tom. This is. This is Living Well with Dr. Pegg, and this episode was brought to you by SSI Guardian. And if you'd like to learn more about the show or our sponsor or reach out to Thomas Pecora, visit drpegradio.com. That's D-R-P-E-G radio.com. And until next week, I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark reminding you to live well. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Living Well with Dr. Pegg. Living Well with Dr. Pegg is brought to you by SSI Guardian, who has set the new standard in advanced safety education. 
If you'd like to learn more about the show, our sponsor, or mental health consulting and publishing services, visit www.drpegradio.com. Remember to join us every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 94.7 KRKS-FM for Living Well with Dr. Peg.